Uh, but this morning, let's talk about some words of Christmas. You've heard this story before. We've used this text already this Christmas season. Uh, but there's a different angle that I want to look at this morning as just some words that come out for us on Christmas. So let me ask you this question as we get started. Why does Christmas seem to be so much more of a holiday than any of the other holidays we celebrate? What is it about Christmas that really makes it stand out the way it does more than Mother's Day or Father's Day, more than Fourth of July? You know, because all those are important holidays. They do important things. But what makes Christmas so much more special? Kind of goes back to what I talked about at first. Christmas changes everything. It really does. As the song the uh, group just sang, Jesus, 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 and what Carolyn read, because of this Christmas story, hardened hearts have turned over to Jesus. Uh, Sandra watched uh, the DVD version of A Case for Christ, Lee Strobel, in the writing of his book. He was very much an atheist, and his wife started going to a church, and he was a reporter for uh, the Chicago Tribune. And he started doing research and finally proved to himself that Christ truly was the Son of God. You know, it turns us into believers. So what is so special about Christmas? What is it about Christmas that brings out the very best, such as transformation of us, transformation of communities, of our homes, even in the lives of so many people? What is it about it? What do you think about when you think about Christmas and the Christmas story? You think about maybe home or family. You think about going back to grandma and grandpa's house, and I'm doing that already because my grandmother passed away, and now we used to go to grandma and grandpa's house with the fireplace and this little room where we'd all cram into this little room to open Christmas presents, and we loved every minute of it. But now that is not going to be anymore. You know, I think about those things. I think about gifts. I think about crowds. I think about the food we're going to eat. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You're thinking about loneliness. Maybe if you wanted a white Christmas, you're thinking about the snow that's falling. You know, because we like the white Christmases. Maybe you're thinking about Santa Claus. I was talking to somebody this week, and their little girl uh, is questioning Santa Claus. And she kind of said, do you think Santa Claus will bring me something that I don't? expect well this made mom and dad start to really think about the things she wanted and she's just old enough to be on that line to buy a phone for so they're going to give her a phone for christmas from santa claus because he just wants her to believe one more year you know maybe we're thinking about that maybe we're thinking about jesus i would imagine because of the manger because of the christmas story So this morning, I want to look at a familiar story, the Christmas story, as recorded by Matthew and Luke. We're going to stay in Matthew. But one of the first things I want you to see from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, is I want you to notice Joseph, first and foremost. There's a lot of characters that come out of the Christmas story. But I want you to notice Joseph. Joseph, he is called a righteous man. I think that's huge for us today. Simply, it means one who was all right with God. Who was right with God. And you see, that's something we need to really think about. See, out of Joseph's mouth comes truth and integrity. Out of his mouth comes honesty. 
He is a man of integrity because of who he does and what he stands for. Here is Joseph in our story. He is the epitome of what men should be in the world today. An example for us all, really. Because we all need to be people of integrity. We need to be people of truth. We need to be people of honesty. Especially just not at Christmas, but the Christmas seems to bring the best out of people. And when you look at Joseph, and you contrast Joseph with the world today, what do we see? You see a big difference, don't you? You see a big difference between, and I'm just going to stay with the men because we're going to talk about Mary here in a minute, but when you think about the men of the world today, and you think about celebrities or politicians of the world today, you think about movie stars and rock stars, and I said politicians, but we usually think about the indicted politicians, or maybe actors like Kane West, for just being Kane West, you know, or you think about, uh, he used to be known as Puff Diddy, now he's Sean Diddy, you know, he changed his name because he wanted to, you know, do something a little bit better, but just a few months ago, he got in a fight with the UCLA football coach over the way the coach was treating his son, playing at a top-level school, you know, got into a fight because of that. Then you look at Justin Bieber, Again, just for being Justin Bieber, you know, in the world today. He's not doing a lot of great things. But you see, they are everything that Joseph is not. Joseph is a man of integrity, man of honesty, man who knows how to live his life. And Joseph is everything they are not. You see, it seems like the world today, people are willing to do anything and everything to get what they want, what I want, what I think I deserve. But here's Joseph, and he's in this predicament now. He's engaged, betrothed to be with Mary. They're going to be married, but then these things start to happen. But Joseph still is a man of all the things that he stood for. You see, somehow it seems that our world teaches that to enjoy life like we know it, we must be more like them, the world, the people we see in the news. But I'm saying this morning, we need to be more like Joseph. The world doesn't want us to be like Joseph. The world doesn't want us to be honest, to have integrity. The world wants us to be everything but. But the Christmas comes to say, and I think we need to understand this, Christmas comes to say because it changes everything, that it's okay to live a life of purity. It's okay to live a life of joy. It's okay to live a life of righteousness in the world today. Even though the world says we can't, I'm telling you, we need to do that. So let me ask you this. Do you suppose Joseph and Mary were in love with each other when they were teenagers? I mean, they're young now. But think about the day when this was happening. So it's probably a little bit earlier now. Do you think they were running around together and knowing each other and they were dating even maybe then and they were in love maybe they were dreaming dreams about how they're going to live life together how they're going to grow old together experiencing all the joys that would come their way as they're doing these things together then one day joseph hears the news that the woman he is to be married to is expecting a child And now for Joseph, all of a sudden, all of his dreams, all of his expectations, all the things he was looking forward to comes crashing down around him because he knew in his heart of hearts that this child wasn't his. Remember, Joseph is a man of 
righteousness. He's got integrity. He's got honesty. So what Joseph is thinking now, the only logical conclusion to this is that Mary has betrayed his love and has given herself to somebody else. And despite all that, Joseph's righteous character comes out. His character stands above everything else in his life because he was not willing, it says, for Mary to be disgraced publicly. He wasn't willing for Mary to go before the leader. He wasn't willing for Mary to have all this stuff said about her. He wasn't willing for her to be stoned at the gate because of what she has done. In other words, Joseph didn't get on Facebook and Twitter and give all their garbage to the world. He didn't want her disgraced publicly because he was a man of righteousness. You see, in those days, to be engaged, to break that engagement, you had to be divorced to dissolve that engagement. So that's what I like. He he decided to divorce her privately, he said. So in other words, he wasn't even going to embarrass her in the slightest bit. He would take care of her in every way he possibly could. You see, that's who he was. That's what he stood for. So even though things began to happen that he didn't like, even though his world started to fall apart, get this, he still stood above all of it. And then after that, the angel came to him and revealed to him what was in her womb, that what was in her womb was of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph did what the angel said. Grab that. He did what the angel told him to do, what God told him to do, and took Mary to be his wife. And took care of her. That's integrity. That's honesty. That's being righteous. In verse 23, Matthew quotes the words of Isaiah the prophet from the Old Testament. He says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And then in Matthew 25, he adds this. Joseph kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. He did this because of who he was and what he stood for and what he understood about Jesus. So when you think about Joseph, you think about righteous. When you think about Mary, you think about purity. You think about purity. Here's Mary. Again, like I said, she's probably a teenager by our standards who's living among other teens. And there must have been so many temptations as there is in our world. But when the angel comes to her and tells her that she is going to be a mother, just not any mother, you're going to be the mother of the Most High. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. And Mary simply asked the angel this. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? How can this be? Somehow, even in this story, there's a quality of a purity of her life when you think about it. When you think about what she has done that would not allow her to defile herself even in the world in which she lived and in the world we live ourselves. Now, can you think of those who could contrast with Mary? Now, when I was growing up and younger than I am now, we had people like Roseanne Barr. We had people like uh, Madonna, you know, breaking the scene. You know, and those people, you know, you just watch them and they were trying to do all these things. But now today, if you watch TV and you're doing all these things, you have people like Kathy Griffin, you know, you have to know who she is. You know, she's got her face on everything. How about Lindsay Lohan? You know, does she even resemble what Mary stood for? How about Miley Cyrus? Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Then I bet, how about all those on the view? <laughs> I know, I just got political, didn't I? But when you think about Mary and you think about all these other people, and maybe we need to think about ourselves when you think about Mary and Joseph, they are worlds apart, as different as they can be when you put the contrast with them. Mary and Joseph literally shine like stars in a dark world. And every December, when it comes about for Christmas, it says that it's all right for people, for Christians, to be pure and decent and honest. Because that's what stands out. That's what shines But I would like to suggest that if you will read the Christmas story, you will discover that these two people who are living their lives, who are the happiest of all, are Mary and Joseph, and yet they are absolutely pure and they are righteous. They are living right before God. And even when things aren't going well. So the second word I want you to see is simply this, is the word joy. Or the third word, the word joy. You see, after Mary had listened to the angel, after she had asked the question about how she could possibly be expecting an angel, the angel responds in Luke one thirty-seven by saying, nothing is impossible with God. Now Mary says, how can this be? The angel simply said, no, there's nothing impossible with God. And then the angel leaves. I'm sure Mary's probably one of these going, whoa, 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 where are you going? I understand nothing's impossible with God, but what about this situation? What about what's going on in my life? For just a moment, for just a moment, put yourself in Mary's place. This angel has now left her. She is all alone. The angel's just told her she will bear a child. You will give him the name Jesus, and she isn't married. Think about that. The angel's gone. She's all alone. On one hand, there is a joy in the angel's announcement. She's probably thrilled with it. But on the other hand, she knows that the people are going to start talking. There's going to be gossip going on about her, about what she's done in her life. The rejection that surely would come her way that she's going to see because of the news. After all, who's going to believe her? Who's going to believe that Mary is pregnant but still a virgin. Would Joseph? Would her parents? Where's she going to go where she can be accepted and understood? And then, finally, she thought about Elizabeth. Remember Elizabeth? She's pregnant with John. And she goes to Elizabeth, who was also expecting a miracle. In verse 39, it says that Mary got ready and hurried down to the town in the hill country of Judah. Now, it probably took several days for her to get there. But she hurries. She wastes no time going to Elizabeth. She thinks about the angel's announcements. She thinks about the child that's inside of her and all the glory of it all, and yet wondering, how was even Elizabeth going to react to my news? Mary didn't know she was pregnant because she stayed the way. How is she going to react? And yet, how would Elizabeth receive the news? Would she even believe But when you listen and read the words of verse 41, it says that when Mary entered and just spoke, the baby inside Elizabeth, it says, jumped for joy. It leaped for joy. Because even that baby knew he was in the presence of Jesus as a baby. What a confirmation of the angel's announcements. 
And then from verses 46 to 55, Mary just opens her heart. And she just simply praises God for his great love. Folks, there is a joy that can't be contained anymore. She wants to share it. Here is Mary, as pure as she is, with joy that simply cannot be kept quiet anymore. So what you see is you see a a righteousness. You see a pureness in both Mary and Joseph. And then I want you to see the word warmth. The word warmth. And it's simply the warmth of God's love. God loved Mary and Joseph. He loved Elizabeth. He loved people. He loves us today. Anybody remember the beautiful Christmas card picture of the hills of Bethlehem? Wrapped in a mantle of snow, and the wind or wind is blowing. The shepherds are huddled around uh, in their blankets trying to keep warm. Anybody remember that picture? It's a beautiful picture. In fact, when I read about it again, somebody said, well, it doesn't snow in Jerusalem. Yeah, it does. It does, and it's beautiful. So I can picture that because I've been to Bethlehem. I've been to the church where the manger supposedly was at. I've gotten to walk the very place that Jesus walked and all those things. But when you picture that, you picture the warmth of Jesus because nearby in Bethlehem, there's a brightly lit stable. And just picture it. There's a manger containing a little baby. And that baby, even though it's a newborn baby, is radiating the warmth and the light of God's love. The love that he has for us. But somehow that picture says that in that cold, dark night, in that cold, dark world, there's a place where God's love is always warm, where it's always available. But why is it so many times where that warmth and that love And a place where God is at is the place so many times we try to run from when we find ourselves in the circumstances like Mary and Joseph or similar circumstances. We want to run from that. But I love what the shepherds did. I love what they did. They went towards that light. They went towards that warmth. It says shepherds can come here. It says wise men can come. I think this warmth of the, of the manger scene with Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the animals that are there, it says rich people can come. It says poor people can come. Happy people can come. Lonely people, depressed people. All those people can come to this one place. Because Christmas is a time when God expresses his love through family. Through family. You see, he takes Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and he says, here's what life is all about. This simply says we're family. And with family, we have that love for one another. See, what I love about this family that we're talking about, that this manger scene in Bethlehem on maybe a snowy Christmas morning talks about that we all can come. He says we all can be part of this family. We're all part of the family of God. We talk about every sin to become a part of the church family here at West Liberty and understand what that really is saying is, yeah, we're becoming a part of this church family, but man, we're becoming a part of the family of God worldwide. And that's awesome to me when we think about it. You see, but the warm light that comes from the manger is for everybody. It's for everybody. Our emotions are enhanced at Christmas time. 
it seems like at Christmas time, if we love, we love a little more. But also, on the other hand, if people hate, they hate a little more. Sometimes Christmas brings out the worst in people. So if we're depressed, maybe we're depressed a little more. If we're lonely, we're lonely a little more. And we understand that, and God understands that. But God comes through Jesus to say that no matter how you feel or how, how, how hurt you are, Jesus can take care of it all. Because that's who Jesus is. And that is why Christmas, I believe, is so special. I think it's like Christmas means so much to so many people, even in communities that want to deny that Christ is born, even in communities in past that have taken the manger off of the courthouse squares because it wasn't politically correct, still put Christmas lights up down their streets. Yeah, they may be snowflakes. They may be other things. But guess what? They can do what they want, but they're still decorating for Christmas. And I don't care how they say it, Christmas is the birth of our Savior. And we can say and we can celebrate that. You see, at Christmas time, we can say the world stops everything for a day. Tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of places closed. Now, I know summer is still going to be open and they're still going to try to do some hours. But for the most part, if you're traveling, good luck getting gas at a lot of places anymore. Big truck stops, maybe. But for the most part, it's going to shut down because Christmas says it's all right to be good. Christmas says it's all right to be pure. In fact, it is only when you are that you're really going to experience that joy that just can't be kept inside. The joy that Christ gives us. So at Christmas time, God calls us together to make us family again. To celebrate what family truly is. A family filled with the warmth of his love. The warmth of who he is. That is why invitation time is so special. Just not at Christmas, just not at any other day, but even especially today, because Christmas brings out what's best in us. Because it's a gift that God has given to us. God calls us from the circumstances of life, regardless of what it might be, regardless of what has happened, and invites us into the warmth of his love and the love that's there for us. So you see this morning, I like what somebody put on Facebook that said, we're all the innkeeper because we all have to decide if there's room for Jesus. We're the innkeeper of our hearts. And it's time for us to decide, is there room here in our hearts? Is there room in our lives for who Jesus really is? That we say it's okay to live righteous. It's okay to live pure. It's okay to live a life that Jesus desires us to live.